0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez and in this segment we are going to be talking about the importance of spiritual practice on the path of self-realization. And astrology as a spiritual practice because I like to believe the, that the majority of us come to astrology to deepen our awareness of ourself and to the connection of the universe so I am going to be discussing a lot about the importance of spiritual practice I'm going to share about my own spiritual practice and my suggestions for you all if you're interested if it's helpful and also I had been planning on doing an AMA forever which is an ask me anything. <laughs> and somebody asked me to do one of those. And I was like, I don't even know what an AMA is. I actually had to ask people what an AMA was. Apparently, it's an ask me anything. I asked questions a few months ago, I want to say maybe five months ago. And I saved the questions from them. And I never did anything with them. And I'd been contemplating and going back and forth. That this is something that I wanted to do. And I don't know. I'm still contemplating. I'm still in that phase. But today, as we have a conversation, I will share a few of the questions because I do think that they're helpful in regards to this podcast. I think that it um, could help individuals, which is why I'm choosing to share. So talking about the spiritual practice, this quest of self-realization and astrology as a spiritual practice. So First of all, I posted a YouTube video recently on my morning routine, and I posted it to Instagram as well. But I know not everyone on here follows me on Instagram or on YouTube. So I thought that I would talk a little bit about it here as well. And I think that the overarching theme, the overarching ideas to keep in mind, is that the spiritual path or the quest of self realization is going to involve noticing the ego, and being able to separate ourselves to be able to recognize and appreciate and utilize the ego for what it can be utilized for, because it's not completely pointless. But being able to separate ourselves from that and not identify with it as our true self. The entire idea of self-realization is that we are not who we think we are <laughs> right as we move through this world we're told that we are a certain name that we're a certain gender that we have a certain identity that we possess certain personality qualities we develop who we are based on how the outer world perceives us a lot of the time and then we get introduced to this idea of spirituality that there's something deeper inside of us There's something that exists within us that connects us to the universe, to cosmic forces. And that is the true self, the self with a capital S. And so I'm saying this because these practices, spiritual practices, are to connect us in that space, to connect us to that inner awareness inner state of being, the part of you that is not connected to the ego and the ego, it identifies with things like our body, like our name, our beauty, our achievements, our belongings, our relationships, our status. All of these things are a transient experience that we have. And again, it's not that we should completely cut ourselves off from those and not enjoy them. They're in our lives for us to enjoy. And it's important to remember that we are not those things. I hope that this is making sense because a lot of you I know are spiritual seekers and you've been doing this a long time and everything that I'm saying makes a lot of sense. But some of you may be newer to this, and that's okay. You know, this is completely fine. It's a really wonderful thing to begin contemplating. And so for those of you who are newer to this concept, um, self-realization, it isn't self-realization like, aha, I know who I am, I know what my mission in life is. I mean, I guess it kind of is, but it's not based on you as an individual. Self-realization is realizing the true self which is steadfast and unchanging and connected to all life, connected to cosmic forces, connected to universal forces. So the entire universe lies within you as you lie within the entire universe. It's all connected. And that same force exists within you, It exists within your family members, It exists within me, it exists within animals, it exists within nature. It's all part of the same cosmic fabric, so to speak. And so self realization is is learning like, Oh, I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not this human ego. I'm not my achievements. I'm not my belongings. I'm not my status. And then we can connect to this space of inner peace and harmony and balance that is always steadfast, because so much of our suffering comes from our attachment to the material world, which is, you know, greatly connected to our ego and false sense of being. So that could look like I am attached to the fact that I have a status. I'm attached to the fact that I have this relationship. I'm attached to the fact that people perceive me in a certain way. And so spiritual practice is really learning to be like, okay, I'm playing this role in this moment. I'm going to balance being completely absorbed and engulfed in this and appreciative of this and thank the universe for this experience and I understand that it's subject to change. I know that I don't own this. I don't own this title. I don't own this status. I don't own this relationship. I don't own these things. It's a it's a moving part of life. And so astrology, as a spiritual practice, for me, um, and and for many others, from what I've seen, is that we're looking at our map of karma. And this is very 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 important. You know the the ego. And our experience as an individual, separate, you know, from the universal self, which is never completely separate, but anyway, the human ego, the experience with the ego is very important. And we come into this life as an incarnation, again, this is my belief system, to experience certain things for our spiritual growth and our spiritual development. And so when we're looking at our natal birth chart, we're seeing Different karmas that we're meant to learn, different cycles we're going to experience, relationships we'll experience, career we'll experience, and there are different indicators within the chart that are going to be very powerful in revealing that, but the entire chart, I mean, the entire chart is going to be a map of the karma you're meant to experience, and having an understanding of that map can help expedite the process of growth, So for example, if you're born into this incarnation, you're like, man, I don't know why I keep on having these career issues. I don't know what I want to do. I feel so confused. Seeing your chart can give validation. Like, yes, in this incarnation, it's an experience for you to move through a few different careers to figure out what it is that you want to do. This is a completely natural part of your karma. You know, but what you're supposed to learn is that Maybe you're not supposed to work in a mainstream environment. Maybe you're not supposed to work in a nine to five. Maybe you're meant to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you're meant to work in a metaphysical world. And by having that information, you can lean in that direction. Relationships is another really good one. You know, there are relationships your entire life. Maybe you're in your late 20s. You find that Saturn is really influencing your relationships Now you're like, ah, Saturn wants me to be disciplined in relationships. Saturn wants me to be committed and hardworking. So I'm going to get into therapy. I'm going to start really working on myself. I'm going to do what I can to enhance my relationships in the future. And when I'm in relationship, I'm going to approach it in a practical, pragmatic way. Because that's what Saturn's wanting. When perhaps previously, you were hoping that everything was going to be romantic and fun and just never panned out. So when you see these cosmic influences, they can help you be more in alignment with the flow of your karma, more in flow with the lessons that you're intended to learn in this life. And please keep in mind, I'm talking about the Vedic sidereal astrology. Um, So I study the Vedic sidereal system. If you want to learn more about Vedic sidereal astrology, there's a wealth of information on the internet. I need to do an updated podcast on that. But if you want to see your Vedic birth chart, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings and then chart to calculate your birth chart. And so even when I'm talking about this, this experience and looking at the natal birth chart, I want to be careful to emphasize that this isn't a means of identification, it's not that we're going to look at the birth chart and then that becomes who we are because that can't be the case. Nothing in the material world can be who you are. It is a map of the experience that you're going to have that is going to teach you lessons imperative for the evolution of your soul. So it's almost like an overlay because the the self with a capital S, who we really are, is untouchable. Okay? it's unchanging it's unyielding and that quest of self-realization what this practice what spiritual practice is all about and remember vedic astrology jyotish it is a sister science to yoga and ayurveda these are all means of deepening connection to universal forces it heightens self-realization so vedic astrology isn't meant to give us means to identify and to claim these characteristics like okay cool i'm i'm a leo ascendant i'm going to be charismatic and all these types of things so that's who i am it's like okay i'm charismatic i'm a natural leader i'm really warm and, and this is the role that i get to play in this life how can i use this role to the benefit of others which leads me to one of my questions somebody asked me on an ama they said what was one of the best pieces of advice that you had gotten and i thought of my teacher matab i used to have so much anxiety about astrology when i first started studying astrology honestly i used to be i used to be a nervous wreck <laughs> one of the other questions that somebody asked me was what makes me uncomfortable and it made me laugh because you historically like when i first started studying astrology everything made me uncomfortable um, time I was like the type of student where if the teacher called on me or if attention was on me, I would start literally sweating and shaking or it was really, really intense. And now I'm to this point where it takes a lot to make me uncomfortable. Public speaking does still make me uncomfortable, which I know is funny because I have a podcast, but if you ever watch me do like a live or, um, an interview, I'm always nervous in the beginning and then I'll settle out. But like public speaking is I'm always very grateful to have the opportunity to speak, but it definitely is something that I have to practice. But anyway, so Matab's really valuable um bit of advice to me was I would have all this anxiety and I'd reach out to him constantly, like in the middle of the night in all caps, oh my God, Saturn's gonna do this. Oh my God, I realized this pattern, I'm gonna you know, something's going to happen, blah, 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 which has ceased, right? (laughs) I don't do that anymore. But for those of you who do get anxiety, I just want to say I can relate. He said, Christine, stop focusing so much on yourself. Start serving others, you'll be happy that you did. (laughs) And it was kind of a sharp response. But I needed to hear it. It was like I got Um, it was like a, it was, it was just very grounding and it gave me a very real and practical response. Like it it was just so real and so authentic and really in a firm way that I really needed at that time redirected me to what's important. You know, I was spending so much time focusing on myself. What's going to happen to me? You know, what about me? And then he's like, Christine, this isn't about you. Like, I mean, it can be about you sometimes and start focusing on other people. What can you do for other people? So I started directing my attention there. And so that being said, when we're looking at our chart, it's almost like, okay, we have these skills, we see these gifts, we see these challenges. We know that they're not really who we are because who we really are is the unchanging self, but we know that we have an ego that we can utilize in this life. So are we going to use it for good? And so how can we use these skills in our chart to uplift and amplify the world around us? Using Leo as an example, gosh, Leo can do so much for the world in a positive way in terms of being a leader, being virtuous, being loyal, you know, and being um, a really positive role model in that way. So I hope that this is making sense. So this is a little bit about using astrology as a spiritual Path. The spiritual path is never a path of the ego. I, w- I really, really, really want to drive that point home because it's important when I start talking about um, spiritual practice. And there, there's this movement. There's this movement online. I'm shifting around a little bit. Sorry. There's this movement online where people are talking about the importance of the ego and we need to embrace the ego. And that is great. It is important to embrace the ego and it is important to utilize the ego for the good. But that is something that can really mislead people if they have not already done a lot of practice with things like yoga, meditation, um, and other practices and other studies. Because what it's essentially saying is, ah, the ego's great. Like, don't, don't do the work. Don't, don't do the work you need to do. And that's what worries me. That does worry me because I think that people are missing out on an opportunity. When we tell people that everything is fine the way that it is, they become complacent and they no longer strive for something higher and something better. And I'm an advocate and a missionary of always wanting people to do better, always wanting to improve, always go further. And I don't want to rob people of deepening their self-realization and liberating themselves from so much potential suffering from these worldly attachments because I'm just going to tell them, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's Embrace it, you know. So I, I have a few critiques of New Age spirituality in that way, and I don't talk about this a whole lot. Um, but I think that it's important to begin discussing because it isn't ultimately helpful. It's, um, In my opinion, it is an enabler for complacency. And that's the last thing that I want for any of you. I never, ever want complacency. I never want you to stop asking questions or to stop seeking a higher meaning. Because for me, you know, my entire life, like how I live my life and and what I find important, it is self-realization. That's what I live for. Genuinely. Genuinely. I live for self-realization. Um, I I live for deepening my understanding of myself and then therefore how I connect to other people and how other people may experience the world differently than me, right? My, my entire life is in search for truth with a capital T. And there are very, very few objective truths in this world. And when I say objective truth, that's truth with a capital T, right? Because my truth and my experience is filtered through my perception and my limited experience of the world that can't, that's not the full truth your truth how you view the world is filtered through your perception your experiences your preferences your experience and your perception it cannot encapsulate every truth that is possible all of us are going to have our own unique experience our own perception of the truth when we get down to what is actually true for everyone universally, there are very, very, very few of these truths that we can come to. Um, And so again, my one of my life mission is is to find those truths and to connect with them and shed what I believe to be true, not uphold every single thing that I believe to be the one way that just is not um, helpful. That's that's not how Spirituality or the path of realization works. It's like, okay, understanding that this is a limited perception. It's a limited experience. So again, coming back to why I mentioned this at all, because this is so important for me, I want that for the people who I work with. I want that for my clients. I I really want to help people understand that and see that because I think it's such an important part of liberation, Um, breaking free from the ego, in the negative sense, Uh, being able to use the ego in a positive way, breaking free free from our expectations and our paradigms and our perceptions. Because when we get down to it, the root of suffering in Buddhism, or What I should say rather is that a Buddhist philosophy, the main Buddhist philosophy is that life is suffering and those sufferings come from our material attachments. So this path of liberation, you know, if we're on the quest of self-realization, if we're on a spiritual path, what we're trying to do is release ourselves from those attachments. So again, I, I have a method and a reasoning for what I believe and how I, how I move through the world and um and um going back to this like idea of critiquing new age spiritual ideas um it could sound judgmental like oh well you're not being accepting of other people's ways of being so in sanskrit there's a word called viveka and this means discernment when we're on the spiritual path we have to have discernment We have our discernment is our compass of our ethics and our morals and our virtue. If we're not discerning, we kind of fall prey to ignorance. So we have to be able to discern and to discriminate so that we can see the direction that we're meant to go in order to stay in alignment with ethics, virtues and morals. And a lot of these ideas that I see on the Internet, it's it's not from any source it's not from any philosophy it's something that someone decided and they start preaching about and then all these people hop on board with it because it affirms its confirmation bias it's affirming the way that people are already being and i again i know that we're all prone to this and i just want to flag it i just want to name it so that you all can be a little bit more aware of that maybe when it's happening So if you see something and you agree with it right away and it sounds really good, question why. Question where it's coming from. Where is that philosophy coming from? Is it rooted in a source text or did someone decide that this sounds good? We have to be discriminating. We have to be discerning. Um, And we cannot sit in complacency. We really want to keep moving forward. So all of this to premise my daily spiritual routine. (laughs) Because so much of it involves trying not to look at a smartphone and get filled with different messages. Um, And something that's really important to know is that this is what works for me. This isn't the gospel. This isn't something that is written in stone. It's something that has worked for me over the years and I'm hoping can perhaps benefit somebody else. Um, So a sadhana is a daily spiritual practice. And if you're listening to this and you're new to this idea and this concept, having a spiritual practice, having a sadhana is incredibly important. I'm going to say that if, if you're on this path of self-realization and liberation, having a daily spiritual practice, having a sadhana is going to be a paramount part of your experience it's so important to have a daily spiritual practice because it puts you in alignment it reminds you of why you're doing what you're doing and really amazing things start happening when you stay in alignment really really amazing things start happening when you stick with a sadhana and a spiritual practice Um, you'll find that the way you move through the world is different what you feel fuel your body with is different the environments you find yourself in are different things just start shifting and changing because you become so more aware of your body and of your energy and how you feel in certain environments it is incredible for attuning to yourself and a sadhana can consist of sitting and meditating a yoga practice like asana it could be a seated meditation practice it could be mantra where you're chanting it could be just sitting silently it is entirely up to you what it is but having a practice that is you know it can start off small maybe five minutes it can go up to 90 minutes some people have two hours Uh, for a long time me and my best friend both had two hour sadhanas and it was (laughs) it was a wild time now we're both at like 15 to 30 minutes so things will fluctuate throughout your time um You'll have different needs at different times in your life. That being said, if you're 15 listening to this, having a physical yoga practice might be super helpful for you. You know, if somebody is, they've already done that, they've had years of experience with asana, it may be time for them to have a seated meditation practice um, or a pranayama practice utilizing their breath. So there are different needs for different people at various stages of life. Doesn't have to look a certain way, but having it is what's important so for me I wake up I prefer to wake up before the sun it doesn't always happen I wake up between 5 30 and 7 30 I go downstairs I drink a lot of water um, and I will when I'm like having my water um, sometimes I will sit down and begin reading before anything else this is you know it happens occasionally and I'll have a hot beverage I quit drinking coffee regularly. I will still have it occasionally. um, But I try to drink something else like golden milk, which is like a turmeric drink. Um, Sometimes I'll drink like four stigmatic, if you're familiar with four stigmatic. But I'll fill my body with fluid. Something else that's super important to note is that we don't want to look at the smartphone when we first wake up. And referring to the gunas, which is heavily... It's a part of Vedantic practices. It is highly used in things like Ayurveda and yoga, yogic philosophy, um, and and astrology. (laughs) But anyway, so referring to the gunas, when we first wake up, when we're when our eyes are opening, and we're first orienting ourselves to the world around us, it's inert. It's a space of tamas. There's some ignorance. There's some inertia but after that little phase wears off our mind turns into the most sattvic it's going to be all day that means that the mind is going to be clear it's going to be pure it is more harmonious and balance and in balance more than it will be throughout the entire day that's because it has not been stimulated it hasn't been flooded with information it's like a clean slate and I really encourage people to try to preserve that state of sattva of the mind for as long as they can, especially until they do their sadhana or spiritual practice, if you're choosing to do it in the morning, of course. Um, But the quickest way to destroy a sattvic mind is looking at the smartphone first thing in the morning. Because blue light's gonna flood your eyes. It's super not the best thing in the world for you. And scrolling through social media, scrolling through our email, filling ourselves with this type of information, it is really going to do a lot to take away that balance and that harmony. Okay. So it's really a good idea to try to stay in that space as long as you can. Maybe getting an alarm clock, getting a different type of alarm clock so that you can leave your phone in a different room or leave it downstairs so that that's not the first thing that you introduce to your mind in the morning. It's, in my opinion, I think it's a much more beautiful thing to introduce your mind to yourself, so that you have time for reflection, pure reflection, what's going on in your mind without any stimulation or input, Um, sitting with your mind and sadhana in this more clear space, maybe reading, taking in Good information, something that you're learning or something that you're studying. Um, And so for me, I do try to resist the smartphone. I'll wake up with an alarm clock, or naturally, most of the time, I'll go downstairs, make my drink. I'll sit and I'll do my sadhana practice, which is specific for me. So I don't want to give any recommendations on the sadhana specifically. But in most cases, sitting silently is going to be beneficial for everybody i have worked with trauma survivors and sitting silently is incredibly triggering and it can be re-traumatizing so there are some circumstances where i would not recommend sitting silently but for a lot of individuals for the vast majority of the population sitting silently for 5 to 15 minutes is a great place phenomenal place to start your sadhana sitting and and breathing rhythmically and paying attention to the breath. And I do, I am offering currently Vedic guidance consultations. And so a lot of that um, involves me introducing a sadhana. Most of the people I work with, I give a sadhana practice, unless they already have a pre-existing spiritual practice. Um, But if you are interested in setting up a practice that's more unique to you, I'm happy to work with you on that. Um, But it is an application process so if you're interested in working you can fill out the application on my page Um, and so you know for all of you maybe just sitting silently for 5 to 15 minutes and after I do my sadhana I then get up I'll get a little bit more water or something else to drink and then I will read and I'll begin my morning with about half an hour to an hour of study depending on how much time I have if I'm lucky I'll get to read for an hour and then I like to write. And when I'm writing, it's not, a, I don't spend a lot of time journaling. I'll usually just jot down a few of my thoughts. The most important part of what I'm writing are either notes from what I learned, um, insights from what I learned, and my daily intentions. I write down my intentions for the day, what I want to accomplish, what I want to get done, um, what I want to do for myself you know, okay, I already meditated, I already did my practice, what else am I going to do? Am I going to take a walk? Am I going to take a run? Am I going to work out, you know, with weights? What am I going to do else for my body? What am I going to do for my relationships? Because this is a place where I personally can get imbalanced, I have to be really careful. And for you, it may be it's hard for you to work work is where you get imbalanced or maybe it's hard for you to exercise and exercise or doing things for your body can get imbalanced so this is why this is so important to write these intentions because it keeps us balanced in all of our areas of life so what are we going to achieve for our work what are we going to achieve for our physical body for ourself what are we going to achieve for our relationships and i got this from brian johnson um, and so for me where I get the most out of balance is my relationships. I have no problem working out. I have no problem doing my work, but I'll go my entire day just being physical and working and then forget that I need to have these relationships. They're so important to me. Relationships are so profoundly important to me, um, but sometimes I forget to harbor them. And so I'll have on my list, call my friend, you know, visit with my partner, just do something to keep my heart happy and stabilized so that i'm not starved in that way later on it's kind of like reminding yourself to have snacks and stuff Mm -hmm. so that is my daily routine it's very very simple i wake up early go downstairs have water do my sadhana practice study and then write and then i i do immediately try to do something physical so go for a walk or go for a run um, which i consider part of my spiritual practice because our body and our mind are directly connected And so what's happening in our body is going to influence our mind. This is yoga. This is how yoga works. What's happening in our mind is going to influence our body. So if our body is well taken care of, and if we can keep it in balance with what we're consuming in our exercise, that is setting our mind up for success. And when we wake up in a way where we're trying to keep our mind in balance, we're doing things that are good for it, we're giving it healthy, happy input, we're setting our body up for success. So we're trying to keep these things as collaborative forces. And this again, this is really important for this spiritual quest. I think that sometimes we can get cerebral and forget about the body, the body is incredibly important. And um, people will also kind of transcend like asana and yoga postures. And they're like, Oh, it's just like physical exercise. And it's just like body worship. And it can be I agree with that entirely. When people are doing asana just so that they can take photos and post them online, like, yeah, we're kind of losing the point. Um, And asana changed my life. You know, I wouldn't have been introduced to any of this had I not stumbled into a yoga class. So I find the value in asana. I think it's a wonderful gateway. (laughs) Asana as the gateway to self-realization. And I think it's a lot of fun and the physical impact it can have is profound but it doesn't have to be asana you can also run you can lift weights just doing something that's keeping your body in motion Um, and of course this is coming from an, an ableistic standpoint i know some of us have varying levels of ability so it could look different for everyone but it could more focused on the diet and what you're choosing to fuel your body with you know it could be your nervous system how you're treating your nervous system so whatever your ability is taking care of your physical form is going to look different for everybody um so keeping the mind and the body in harmony and in balance is setting yourself up for a mind that's a little bit more capable of of self-realization and um something else that i'm thinking about going back to the gunas is that we're working towards sattva. You know, there's a need for tamas and rajas. And tamas, of course, is ignorance and inertia. Rajas is, um, it's going to be a little bit more heated. It's hot and excited, really. Um, Aggravated is another word for rajastic. It's like that nature of wanting to get up and achieve a lot, that's rajastic, And then sattva is, is balanced and in harmony. And so we have a lot of natural tamas and rajas in our society. It's going to come naturally. You know, that's not necessarily something we need to work on, but we're working towards sattva. And so when we do things in our life and throughout our day that encourage balance and harmony, it's going to do a lot to change the course of our life. And so this is why I believe that sadhana is so important, beginning the day I know that some people prefer the evening and that's completely fine too, just having at some point in your day, a time where you sit down and connect to this concept that there's something that resides within you that is beyond this material experience. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that it all made sense. I think that I got a little bit heady at some points and perhaps repetitious, but um, it's really important to me. And it's, it's how I view my work. It's how I approach astrology. You know, because we all have our astrological chart for what we're meant to learn, but then the world is going through astrological cycles of what we're supposed to be experiencing and learning as a collective. So it's, um, again, it permeates my work, it permeates how I approach all of this. And I just hope it was helpful. And if you're newer to this and these concepts, I hope uh, maybe you're inspired to have a spiritual practice and and not um, not allow yourself to fall complacent. You know, um, the internet and Instagram, it's a breeding ground for the ego. One of my dear friends said that. Um, Manayi tree. He's amazing. We still have not been able to fully connect. We've just connected on Instagram, but he was saying that social media is a breeding ground for the ego. And it's true. And David Frawley, who I love, who's an amazing, profound teacher, he, always, he says that the ego doesn't necessarily always need to be bad. Like the ego can be used for positivity. Um, and we need to be discerning of what that looks like and what that feels like. Um, and any message that encourages us not to change and to stay as we are, I want you to be mindful of, I want you to flag it. And there's something that feels really good about that. There's something, there's a space, there's a time and place where being as you are in this moment is like completely acceptable. I mean, of course, whoever you are in this moment is 100% wonderful, and worthy and beautiful and so incredibly valuable. And who you are in this moment is worthy of growth and evolution and deeper transcendence, accomplishing deeper levels of self realization. So that's really what I want to get across. I know I don't talk about these things too often, because I, I don't like being judgmental. You know, that's the last thing that I want to be. But being discerning is is incredibly important. And I really want to encourage everyone to be discerning because when we spend so much time on social media, we begin really losing track of, of that. Or we can. I do. Maybe I should say I do. I, I can lose track of that. And so perhaps you all struggle with it as well. And I'll end on this note. I am far from perfect. I am not by any means self-realized. I am not, uh, I have not transcended, <laughs> I have not accomplished moksha, but it's something that I try to do every day. And I take it very, very, very seriously. And I, ha- I know that I have so much room to improve. I have so much room to grow. Um, and I'm going to keep trying, you know, I'm going to keep trying every single day to be better and, and do better and evolve more. I'm ready to be wrong. You know, I'm, I'm not attached that my way of being is the right way of being. I'm ready to shift and change I I have I don't have any attachment to the way I currently am I'm open to it being wrong but this is the way that I'm I'm currently seeing things and approaching things and I hope that it's helpful so I'm currently taking a break from readings um I had been hesitating on if I wanted to share this, but my grandmother has not been doing super well, and I like being available. I've been trying to visit more and just being available in case something happens, so I'm taking a break from readings uh, for now, but I am accepting clients for Vedic guidance consultation, so... If you want to learn more about that, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings and Vedic guidance consultations. And of course, I would love to see you on Patreon, patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. Again, my name is Christine. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.